0: Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Today's message is entitled Superficial Religion versus Supernatural Regeneration. Now, don't let that get you confused. I want you to listen to it again Superficial Religion versus Supernatural Regeneration. Regeneration. I want you to pay attention very carefully today as I try to show you both from what's going on current events as well as what the scripture says, what is going on in our world and particularly in the religious world and how it relates to what the Bible says Teaches. When Nicodemus came to the Lord, he said, and the Lord said, You must be born again. He didn't even know what he's talking about. I want you to see today how relevant it is as to what's happening, not only in the secular world, but in the church world, as it relates to what the Bible teaches. So look carefully with me, Matthew chapter 11. And I want to invite you to stand as I read from the scripture. In verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. And then in the 16th chapter of Matthew, verse 24, then Jesus or then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, And follow me. And follow me. I want you to say that with me. And follow me. Don't let those words get out of your mind for the next few minutes. Okay? You may be seated. This morning I want to impose upon you a conclusion that I've come to through having lived many years and... I want you to let me share with you my personal thoughts from my study of the Bible and from my observation of the world in which we live. I do believe that Christianity, when you understand what it is, is radically different from any other religion of the world. But I'll say some things in a moment which will make you wonder. But I think in order to understand what we're talking about, I think we must take a moment to open up the dictionary for some definitions of, of terms. Now, listen superficial religion versus supernatural regeneration. Now, listen to what Webster says with the word religion. This is a definition from Webster's New International Dictionary, the service and adoration of God, capital letter G, or a God, small letter G, as expressed in forms of worship, in obedience to divine commands as found in accepted sacred writings, or has been declared by recognized teachers, and in pursuit of a way of life Regarded as incumbent upon true believers or followers. Now that is Webster. Now here's what he says about regeneration. Regeneration is an act of regenerating. Our state of being regenerated. Recreated or revived. Or a reestablishment on a better basis. Or Reformation. Now that's Webster. Now I want to take a definition from the New Standard Bible Dictionary of that word regeneration. Quote The word used to describe the great changes that are wrought in a man's thoughts, feelings, and his will in his conscious relations to sin the world and God when he enters into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ now that is a relationship that is regeneration that is the real real thing that is required of us if we are truly followers of the Lord Jesus Christ If you have heard me speak very many times, you have heard me use the sentence that I believe the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. If you were to talk to me in private and you were to say, Pastor, I've heard you say that, but I just wonder why you take that position in that there are a lot of religious books in the world. We have all kinds of writing from uh, all kinds of religions, whether it's Koran or the Book of the Mormon or the, the writings of, of uh, the Christian Science Church and on and on and on and on. So why do you believe the Bible to be the inspired Word of God? Well, let me just kind of quickly put it in a capsule and give you a challenge. The Bible, first of all, is not one book. It's 66 books. It is 66 books that is put into the canon, which is the Holy Scriptures. These books were written by 40 different authors. Most of them did not know each other. Some were fishermen, some were shepherds, some were doctors, some were kings, some were prophets, but they did not even know each other personally. They existed over a period of fifteen hundred years. Fifteen hundred years. Those sixty-six books are the originals were written in one of three languages: either Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. And in those books, they were written from three continents: from Asia, from Africa. And from Europe. All of these books have a common storyline. God created the earth, and then man fell. So God sent a Redeemer. They go on, God loves all people. There's a common message from Genesis to Revelation of repentance and faith in those books. And those 66 books or our Bible contain no contradictions or historical errors. Now here's my challenge to you. If you are a skeptic and say I put it on, on the level with all other books. I don't see how you can lift it up because these people are sincere or whatever. I challenge you to go to the library or go to your computer And you find 66 books that have been written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period of time in three different languages that have a common storyline and do not contradict history. When you find that book, come to my office and we'll sit down and we'll discuss this matter again. There is no comparison to the Bible. None. Zero. It stands alone. That is the reason it continues to be the number one read book in the world. Even those that doubt it read it more than some that say they believe it. Because there is something unique about the Holy Scriptures. I believe the Bible stands alone. Now real Christianity is not the same as the Christian religion. If we could get on an airplane in Houston and travel to India, I could take you today and stand on the the banks of the Ganges River. It's 1500 miles long. The Hindu people there consider it as holy water. They bathe in it, you can wash your face in it with a wet rag, you can bottle some up if you like and take it back to your place of worship for your uh, ceremonies that you want to go through. Also, the Hindus believe it's their passageway to life. You can be cremated and your ashes poured into that river and flow down into an eternity or you can just be thrown in as millions are at death into the river as their way to salvation. In the same country, India, you could... Go with me and we could listen as from the prayer towers in the big cities five times a day. There is a call from those loudspeakers of the Muslims to pray, to follow specific instructions directing all prayers to Allah and the details of how you pray, where you pray, the direction you face when you pray, are all meticulously lined out. In that religion, you and I can look at the five pillars of their religion that are practiced. In the same country, India, we can go to the training center of the Tibetan Buddhist. Over 500 Buddhists are there. We can walk around if you choose to do so. There's a monastery, there are two temples, there's a training school, there's a library. We can talk to those priests, ask them about where did they find God? And they will say to you, I'm still looking. I'm still on a search, trying to find God. But here they have eightfold plans. Right aspirations, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right contemplation. And they have four noble truths that they teach. Now, we can come, and I have some others, but for time's sake, we can come back to Houston, Texas. I can take you to Houston, And we can visit these religions in their temples or whatever. And they're the same. But I'm going to add one more. There are others and they're called churches. And if you'll look closely, it may say on the internet, they are a Christian church. Now where that Christian church gathers, there are a group of people that have their rituals in place, their ceremonies in place. Yes, their ordinances in place. They have a Bible somewhere. Some of them have the written rules of the church in a book from the higher authorities. And they write when you worship, how you worship, and what you do when you worship. And some of those places will have great authority attached to those sacraments or whatever. There may be the Hail Marys. There may be the sacraments. There may be many different kinds of things in the churches. Some will make you feel good. Some will tell you unequivocally our agenda is to not talk about your sin, but to talk about a positive way of living. Now in those churches, some have bands and and, uh, they don't like orchestras and choirs. Others like orchestras and choirs. Some like preaching and teaching and some of them don't. Some give, some don't. Some pray prayers asking God for this, this, and this, this, and this, and this, and this. Some of them have people that pray and ask and repent. They pray prayers of repentance to God. In some of those churches, they want to hear the gospel. In other churches, they do not want to hear the gospel. Now, all of these are churches of different religions, including the Christian religion. Now the Christian religion taken apart from what the Bible teaches about who Jesus was and who early Christians were is 180 degrees apart. Jesus did not come to this earth, folks, to bring us Ten Commandments. He did not come to this earth to tell us where the Muslims say we worship on Friday, well, we worship on Sunday. You see when you get into that religious stuff. You begin to nail down into something that's been around from the beginning of time. That the whole 66 books of the Bible says stay away from. Whether it's a Jewish temple or the Baptist auditorium. That's not where it's at. Those are tools but they are not the answer. They are not salvation. They have nothing to do with the command, follow me. Jesus did not come to build a religious organization. He came to get people to leave their way and take up their cross and follow him. And he said, then I will make you what I put you here to be, and I will walk with you through whatever you walk through. And then one day... I'm coming to get you or you're going to die and come to spend eternity with me. His message, Jesus, was not to keep the rules and regulations. It was not to observe the sacraments. It was to follow him. And so when Jesus said that, Follow me. Here's something I want you to be reminded of. Hebrews 4, 15. It says that Jesus was tempted at all points as we are, yet he was without sin. Now, here's what he said. You follow me. I don't care how you're being tempted. We're going to get through it. I'm going to show you how to walk in obedience to the Lord's desire for your life because I am going to either walk with you, hold your hand, or pick you up and carry you. Jesus did not come prescribing a religion he came begging people to have a relationship with the father the son and the holy spirit not through ritualism and ceremonialism but through faith and by grace through faith in God he didn't say go over there and find truth he said come to me And discover truth. You want to go back in history and read something real interesting? Read read the biography, the autobiography of Martin Luther. I want you to read about a man that spent much of his early life in the monasteries, and read what he said about how how pure he was in his attempt to find God. Until one day he realized, I'm not going to find God as long as I keep this stuff up. I'm keeping all the rules, all the regulations. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do and I'm just as empty as I was when I started this thing. And one day Martin Luther met God personally and he just started following the Lord. And my, not only did he change, but the world was changed because of it. Jesus said these words in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. Now, isn't that what religions are about? I want to go to heaven one day. I want to go where Allah is. I want to go where God is. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you'll come to me, I will show you what you've been looking for. You see, we believe if we're sincere that we're okay. But I can be sincere and I can be sincerely wrong. I can be sincere as I can be that I'm going north and be going south because we get confused. So the Lord simply says, Look, I understand that. And the world is going around and around and around. And you know, when you start getting into science how we're spinning and all that gravity stuff and all, no wonder we're dizzy. No wonder we're confused as to what's up, what's down, what's right, and what's wrong. The real Christianity is not something that's offered in a religious cafeteria. And say, I think I'll take a little Buddhism, I'll take a little Hindu, a little Muslim. After all, they're all right, and I kind of like them all. They all have good things to say. They all kind of tell you how to treat your neighbor and all this kind of stuff. So i just take a little this, little this, a little that. Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, no. Even when you dip into the Christian thing, you may not understand exactly what you're doing. You see, when people do not understand what they're doing and why they're doing it they really get confused let me give you some examples you know when I read that about the Hindus bathing in the Ganges River so their sins would be washed away and all a lot of people think that's what a baptistry is and what a baptism is I'm gonna come get my sins washed away John Mark baptized in early service he told everybody this is dirty Houston water this is not you know the Jordan River this is just water this is a symbolic thing baptism Let me tell you what baptism is. As this precious little girl was baptized, we are buried with Christ in baptism unto death. We're raised to walk a new life. This is a picture of two things. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which makes salvation possible. It's a picture of what happens in your life when you get out of this religious stuff and get in a relationship with God. You die to an old life. So we're buried with Christ in baptism unto death, the scripture says, and we're raised to walk in a newness of life communion is not in order that you can go through a sacrament communion is to remind us as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes and as often as you do it do it in remembrance of me let me remind you through your communion I died for you I paid for your sin it is finished and I'm just waiting for you to come home once you've done the will of my father The Muslims go to their mosque. We go to our church buildings. The Buddhists recite their mantras. We recite our songs. Our poems. Our prayers. And other things. The Muslims read from the Koran. The Christians read from the 66 books of the Bible. Now here's the warning. All people that do those things and think that that is salvation... All according to the scripture, whether it's a custom, a penance, a a confession, a sacrament, a prayer, a tithe, any of it, if that's what you think is real regeneration, you've missed it. Jesus said, Follow me, be careful. It's Easter, be careful, be careful, be careful. It's not about celebrating certain days. It's about following Him. It's not about getting with the catechism or getting with the ritual. It is about following Jesus. He is risen. He is alive. We celebrate His resurrection from, our, from the grave. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians four sixteen. Wherefore I beseech you, be you followers of me. You say, well, I thought we were supposed to follow Jesus. And here Paul says, follow me. Paul might have caught himself, I don't know in the way he said that, because in the 11th chapter he says, Be you followers of me, even as I also am a follower of Christ. You see, Paul's the one they saw. What he was simply saying is, I'm following the Lord. When I came as pastor of Sage My Church 48 years ago, I asked a few people that were here, and I see the breeding sitting out here. They were one of the first. I told them, either follow me or fire me. And if I'm not following Jesus, please don't keep me in Houston very long. That's very important, folks. I, I challenge you when you see a man that's a man of the cloth, whatever that means, ask him the question tell me when you've met the Lord. Just ask that simple question. That shouldn't be offensive. Oh, I'm still looking. Oh, I'm still trying. Well, I'm still on a search. You know, man's on a search. Excuse me, that's not in the Bible. The Bible says you can know that you have eternal life and that you've passed from death unto life. When you are born again, you know when it happened. So Paul says in the 11th verse, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Then he says in Ephesians 5 1. He says be he says be you therefore followers of God as dear children. And then in Matthew 4:19 Jesus said follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's to James and to John. Caleb, Joshua in the Old Testament. Old Testament. Here's what it says about them in Numbers 32:12. For they have ho- Holy followed the Lord now what was the promise because they had wholly followed the Lord they were going to be permitted to go into the promised land which is symbolic of what heaven what had they done how are you going to get to heaven when they all get to heaven if, you know the Bible says narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life you know why because the first one has got to walk through it is Jesus and everybody else has got to be in single file walking behind him you don't need a broad gate because the Bible says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go therein. You see, it comes alive, folks, and it simplifies itself when you just get out of tradition and get into, thus saith the Lord. The premier text again is at Matthew 16:24, where Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man comes after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me see Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy he said so he made it very clear I want to remind you we, it hadn't been that long back to Christmas you remember Matthew 1 21 she'll bring forth a son they'll call his name Jesus for what he will save his people from their sin now that's the angel Now John the Baptist comes along. Remember when John the Baptist came along? John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God. Why? That takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Not the rituals of the church, Catholic or Protestant. Not that. Jesus says, I am the way and John the Baptist shouted it out behold the Lamb of God but you can go all the way back to the Old Testament and the prophet would like to speak to you and to me here's what he says in the first chapter of the prophet of Isaiah though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow when you go on to read you will see how that was prophesied. The blood of the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, would cleanse us from our sin. David prayed, King David, 51st Psalm Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, You are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of our God. That's where salvation comes from. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not plus anything. You say, well, then why do I need to come to church? Why? because the Lord said you you are he said don't forsake to assemble yourself together the church is my bride and I want you to be a part of the church because I'm going to give the great commission to the church to take the uttermost part of the world and you happen to be the ones that are going to be the the banner carriers you're the one you're either going to go or you're going to send others to go or you're going to pray for those that go but you're going to be a part of getting the gospel to the uttermost part of the world In 1 John 1, 9, John writes, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you a little story before we go home. This happened some time ago when an Englishman bought a Rolls Royce. And uh, the advertisement that got his attention, being frugal I guess he thought, he read an advertisement that said it, that a Rolls-Royce is never break down. So he bought this car. Guess what happened one day? It broke down. Rolls-Royce, it'll never break down. It broke down. Well, he didn't really know what to do. And there wasn't any instructions as to what to do. But he, somebody pulled over to help him and he told him about the problem. And uh, they went, found the number of the Rolls-Royce plant, and they called him. It wasn't long until a helicopter showed up. And this helicopter flew in, and out of the helicopter got two mechanics. And these two mechanics fixed the Rolls-Royce, got back in the, car, in the helicopter, and flew off. Well, his whole way of driving back to his home, he thought about, boy, I hate to see that bill. That's a pretty expensive way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, AAA is a lot cheaper than, than to have them come out like that. But anyway, he goes home. He's mad because he brought it because it's not going to break down. It broke down. So he just kind of delays paying the bill. Finally, got convicted of the bill. He got convicted of the fact that he always paid his bill and his anger kind of smoothed down. He probably went to church one Sunday or something, but anyway, he, he decided he would call them and tell them, first of all, why he had delayed in paying the bill, but that he decided he needed to settle his account. Well, after a few, after a moment waiting, The one that had accepted the call at Rolls-Royce came back on the line. And they said to him, Sir, we're deeply sorry, but we have absolutely no record of anything ever having gone wrong with your car. Think about that. Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I find no fault in you. Why, why, why does that story parallel? One of these days, you're going to find out you broke down. And everything you've held on to is broken down. And religion is going to break down. And you need to call upon Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of the faith. And you know, when you confess your sins and all that kind of stuff that you're so ashamed to do, the Lord's going to say, Your sins have been buried in the bottom of the sea. They're put as far as the east is from the west. And I will remember them no more. God's not wanting to condemn you. He's wanting to tell you. If you'll just follow me. If you'll receive my gift of eternal life. I will remember them no more. Folks it doesn't get any better than that. So you're sitting today in, on a campus where I could put people that would line up way out the doors that would tell you at age 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and 80. I carried the burden. I tried to do all the rituals. I tried to do everything I was supposed to do, and I found no peace but one day, one day, I began to think as a little child. The Bible says unless you come as a little child. You'll know why I the kingdom of heaven. I I just a little child had faith. Like a little child has. When they stand up here. And daddy stands down there. And daddy says jump. They don't get on their computer. And see what gravity will do. Or how much daddy works out. Nothing. What do they do? They just go woo. And daddy catches them. And the Lord said, unless you think that way, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm here to tell you, folks, we study the word of God so we can make disciples. We study the word of God to just remind ourselves daily, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I'm telling you, yesterday or the day before, whenever that meteor went off over Russia, a thousand people were injured. <clears throat> if that would have gone off over Houston, every seat in this building would be full this morning. Every seat. Oh, 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 he's got us. You know. Listen, the Lord's going to come back in a twinkling of an eye. They filmed that meteor coming by 17,000 miles an hour, and then, just so America wouldn't get too cocky, another one went right by the coast of California. This week. And Fox News said last night the chances of those two meteors coming as close as they did to the United States is one and I don't remember how many millions, hundreds of millions was the chance of that ever happening. You let 1911 happens and religious people will fill up every building in America for two weeks. (laughs) And then they go right back to when do I got to come back. Cross myself, bow, get out my billfold, fall on the altar, squall out. All trying to maneuver a God that is so wise. He knew what you was going to do 10 years ago when he knew what was going to happen. That you were going to do your same little old deal. But then one day, you just say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. And you just cling to the cross. And the Lord says, like to the thief, today you're going to be with me in paradise. You know what paradise is right now? There's a lot of heaven on the way to heaven, if y'all don't know that. It is sure good to look at all this mess that's going on. While the world tries to mess, to, to deal with climate control and physical cliffs and wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in diverse places and dodging now meteorites coming out of heaven. It's sure good to just snuggle up to God and hold on to him greatest illustration I ever saw of that or I didn't see it I read it Billy Graham's book Peace with God if you ever read the book you remember the illustration when the storms were beating against the shoreline the hurricane was coming and people were running for help and looking up on a cliff there was a little crevice in a rock is the way Billy Graham was told it in his book and he said inside that crevice there was a little sparrow and that sparrow had his head under his wing and was sitting in the crevice of that rock while the storm passed over. He says that's what it's like to have peace with God just to know he has the whole world in his hand. But folks, you don't know that unless you're following Jesus. Jesus says if you can't handle it, I will pick you up. If you cannot handle the mountains because of lack of oxygen, then I will breathe on you. If you go down in the crevices, I'm going to be there. If it's in the light, I will be there. If it's in the darkness, I will be there. But you have to have not religion, but regeneration. That's a new birth. Now, every Buddhist, every Muslim, name the religion, including every member of a Christian church, can be born again. Because the Bible says, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. There is none like our Lord. None. He is so clear. And I want to close with this scripture. This is what Martin Luther saw. This is a scripture that woke him up in the monastery. Romans 1, 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Would you today give your life to Christ? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As we go out into our world in just a few moments, we'll go in many different directions. Today is obviously the first day of the rest of your life. But you could come in here in chains of bondage to this world, and you can go out free. You don't fill out a check. You don't swipe your credit card. And you don't say just a prayer. You repent. You confess a sin. And then repentance means that I'm willing to turn from it. I am burdened in this. I understand some of it. I don't understand others. But I just want a new life. That's regeneration. I don't want to go around with a burden that I have. If you will pray that prayer after you have made the commitment to do it, don't just pray the prayer. You've got to repent. Turn from it after you've confessed it and invite the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit to come into your life. If you'll do that today, you can leave here a new person. We try to help you. But I know because you've been to so many religious meetings, you're scared to death. They're going to trap me. Christianity, regeneration is not about getting trapped. It's about getting out of the trap. If you'll go by our Connection Center, we will help you. We have things we can give you to take with you. We can pray with you right there if you'd like to do so. Maybe you just know I am a Christian, but I'd just like to be a part of the church. That Connection Center is off the main foyer, the main lobby out here that you'll exit to right now. Once you go out these big doors, if you'll turn and look to the left, Or to the right, you will see that room, big lobby. And you can go in there and you'll see people are waiting for you. But that's your choice. But you are invited. You can RSVP as you choose, but you are invited. You're invited to receive your gift of salvation. But you must be willing to follow him. Our Heavenly Father, as we sing now, There's none like you, and what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry it. Everything that we have to you in prayer. I pray, dear God, as we sing it, we'll believe it, and we'll practice it. And may people be saved today. May others find a place where they can get into the race And follow you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.